Butterfly, butterfly, pretty butterfly. When I see you flap your wings, I know when it's time for spring. Butterfly, butterfly, pretty butterfly. Welcome back to Honest Participants Only. Um, this month we're having conversations surrounding Black History Month, but actually I've decided that we're not going to keep them to the month of October, because why should we? We're going to be talking about creating Black History. If you've been listening to the series, you will know that I want to talk about creating Black History because it's not always about looking back, it's about what we're doing right now for future generations to look back when they celebrate Black History Month in October, or any of the other 11 months of the year. Um, today, I've got with me Shelley, who is a strategic commissioning, spe commissioning specialist, use your words, Shay, and also, what people won't realise, my sister. So, um, Shelley, hi. Hi, guys. Hi, Shay. <laughs> I don't know. She'd be acting all shy, y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah. It's all right. It's all right. We've had someone else on the podcast for this series who also was feeling really shy speaking about what we're going to be speaking about today my black history can really be nerve-wracking sometimes even yeah. though when we're in our own communities we're fine with it we have the conversations all good how we? just in well how we? yeah how much do we limit ourselves or how much do we kind of um police what comes out of our own mouths but today i the reason i have brought you up to have this conversation in particular is because of something you shared which was really powerful actually so on your linkedin you shared a post called my black history on the 1st of october yeah. and you were speaking about the thoughts you were having around what black history actually means to you um and and you were speaking about some of the things that really punctuated the points of what your black history is and you had like lots of engagement and people sharing what you know their black history was to them and things like that and it was really really again like i say it was really powerful um and so i wanted to kind of use use this platform to highlight more of that conversation because i think it's really really important so just before we get into that i want to share uh some of what my black history is um, and I know that you will understand some of this because as, like I said, you're my sister, we grew up together. Um, so you will remember some of this. <laughs> I think you know what's about to happen. <laughs> uh, and for those of you listening, I am just dealing with technology. So bear with me. Here we go. My, my, my. My little songbirds in the cafeteria. Weren't they with you? Who are these guys? <laughs> well, I'm sure you've learned a school song by now. You better know it. Because this time, if you don't get it right, you're suspended for 10 days each. Now, is that clear? Is that clear? Yes, sir. All right, then. School song. Let me hear it. Fair be sun, 
that one and there's one more that I need to share with you as well and the reason I need to share this one with you we will discuss in a moment but um yeah let's do it just a little, little bit is combine this part with this part remember this mm -hmm. Okay, enough of that. Enough of my mom. <laughs> Listen, that was the reason that those were parts, as much as I'm busting joke and I'm like, yeah, this is hilarious. The reasons those were part of my black history is because these are some of the memories we created together. Yeah. These were some of the things that keep us connected way into our 30s because we're in our 30s. Um, I'm 21. <laughs> speak it. Um, <laughs> And these were really key things for us where we could see ourselves represented. We weren't American. We weren't, you know, we weren't going to high schools that looked like that. We weren't experiencing some of these things, but representation was important. And we had Desmonds and we had a couple of things, but the majority of what we were seeing, uh, how we were seeing ourselves represented was not like that. And no. so not only did we enjoy these movies, we watched them over and over and over and over and they became part of what makes us us today they mm -hmm. are those two things in particular are a huge part of my identity um and i know you you remember them too <laughs> i do um i think we were i've personally resonated with them because they were people that looked and were the age that i was at the time so when you talk about Desmond's and you talk about the other programs that we love to watch, there was no one in those programs that were our age group apart from Desmond's youngest son. And I think he was a little bit older than us at that time. And so it was nice to see school age children doing school age stuff and looking like us and not having to necessarily live the the challenges that we were living at the time um where they went to predominantly um black schools and we were not in those i think my twin and i were what we were one in of maybe three black uh young people in school at the time we lived um in twickenham um and we loved our school experience which is why it lends itself to the post that i said in linkedin that my black british history is a is a melting pot of lots of different backgrounds um, and I love it so this was one of the things that you put up it's, it's covering our faces slightly so I won't leave it up long but <laughs> you said in your post 
My Black History was pre-planning routes to school in the supermarket in the 1980s and 90s, as some dog owners in the area where I lived had trained their dogs to harm people that looked like us. It, it, you had actually put that looked like me, my twin and my mum, but it didn't allow me to put all of those words in. <laughs> so I changed it to us. But yeah, those were some of your Black History. And we're going to get on to talk about them. You put, my Black History is a reminder that the struggle of my ancestors needs to be realised in the actions of me and my family. We are the dream personified, and yet we have we still have so far to go. Yes. Um, I'm going to share two more. You said, my black history is the sound of John Holt playing on a Sunday morning <laughs> after breakfast, signaling for us that it was chores time. And then the final one I wanted to share is, my black history is full of bass, sunshine sounds, reflective chords, and deep harmonies. Yeah. And I think I chose those. You, you wrote way more about what your black history is. But I chose those and I wanted to end on that one because quite often around Black History Month, people think it's su there's such negativity. We always talk about racism or we're talking about the things that we have to acknowledge, which need to be acknowledged. That's why you put some of the other posts. But also this one, this is our Black history. That's it. And this, yeah, and this is what we need to continue creating so that when they look back in generations to come, that will be the dominant part of what their history is. Yeah. So tell me, why did you write this post? What were, what were you thinking when you put some of those together? So, you know, we're just from a very large blended family and all of the people in our, none of our family members look the same. Um, we all come from different walks of life and I am deeply and fiercely proud and um, um, of that. And I also will defend to the hilt um, that when I walk down the road with my white sister, my English white sister, um, when she is introduced as my sister and either a black person or a, a person of another colour looks at us very odd, we know what our history is. We know what our family makeup is and we, we fiercely defend that. Um, and so it's important to understand that black history is important, like you say, to, um, to discuss, but actually no one person's history is the same. Black history is a social construct in the absence of true history being um, foretold. And so what would, what would the world be like if we just talked about history and it, inc it included everybody's truth? Um, and so I really wanted to touch on that. Yes, like you say, um, when people are talking about um, the inequalities and the inequity that we as people of colour have to navigate through life. And that is our day one. That's our normal um, kind of, we get up in the morning, we armour up, we know what we have to deal with. And we and we know when to, to voice those challenges and when not to, depending on the environments that we're in. I thought it was important to underscore that that's not all where black people are about. That's not all. There isn't a one size fits all, one size looks all. Um, black people do not all look the same. And therefore their histories are not the same. Um, I know in my um, my history, I have Irish and Scottish in me because of the slave trade and so on and so forth. And if I did my ancestry, I'd probably um, see more. I know my little brother has, I think he's 49% European when he did his DNA. Um, and we were really shocked at that. When we look at just the spectrum of colour within our family, in terms of just the children of our parents, you go from really 
dark tones to me who, as we can see, needs some colour. Around this time of the year, I would be going to a hot uh, country to top up on my tan so I looked less yellow and more bronzed. So We're all love Lisa Simpson, just saying. <laughs> and, and, and she could be my twin, you know. But I, I guess it's about understanding it, underscoring it, but also allowing those that are younger than us to recognise that black history isn't all the same. And it's okay because I'm fiercely proud of being black British with yeah. a Caribbean heritage. Yes. And I don't feel that like there's enough spaces for me to be a, a British, uh, a black British and proud um, woman. Being able to create those spaces ourselves, being aware of them um, and being so aware of the trauma that we've experienced. So, for instance, you spoke about your, your skin tone and, uh, you know, we, we bust a joke about Lisa Simpson and whatever. But within our own communities, as you say, we're a range of um, not just experiences and histories, but of um, things that can potentially separate us or things yeah. that can bring us up bring us together yeah and what I love more than anything now is especially in these last two years we started to recognize it for ourselves I'm sure that we were recognizing it before but we're recognizing it in the open we're mm -hmm. no longer allowing other people to not understand that we're fully aware of the things that sometimes can be barriers to our progress yeah and so you know you can talk about me I want to go and get a tan I want to feel this way and I can talk about the fact that I wear 50 factor sunscreen because when I tan I don't tan nicely and I hate not not anything to do with my colour. I love mm. my colour. And like you said, I'm so proud of being Black British with a Caribbean um, heritage. I love it. But also, I don't like when my skin looks dry. And mm. that's what it is. It's, you know, it's anything that anyone else in the world might feel. But we have to pay particular attention to it because of what it might look like. Yeah. And I, it's exhausting, right? It, it, oh, well, you'll know, because when we were growing up, people would always say, oh, you're the white twin. So my twin is darker or people would call me white um, and I would be treated differently. And I knew I was treated differently. Um, I, 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 being a fairer skinned black woman, would have an, um, an element of privilege. And I, and I would see that against my twin sister and it would upset me no end. Um, and I think as I get older... And I'm still struggling with it now because obviously that, that's trauma that we get in, in, in childhood, not just from not being accepted by the general society that don't look like us, but also there's a lack of acceptance or an issue around colorism or what have you in your in the community that you're supposed to be a part of. But I'm learning to grow into my skin, to love my skin, my corn-fed chicken yellow skin. Um, and the pandemic has really made me embrace it because there's no there is no holiday on the horizon to a hot country so we're getting the corn-fed yellow skinned shelly um but i i love the fact that i can maneuver myself depending on on where i am like today i'm wearing my uh, my headscarf um i'm trying to embody my african roots today although somebody will probably tell me it's not tied properly but I'm okay with that um with my corn-fed uh, skin because I haven't had any sun 
Um, and I'm going to have a fish and chip dinner later because it's Friday and that's what we do. And that's all the part of my black history. And I love the fact that I can pick and choose any day of the week what yeah. I want to do and what I want to be. You literally are taking me exactly where I wanted to go because I was going <laughs> to say that fundamentally it doesn't matter what tone your skin is or whether the darker the berry the sweeter to juice or whatever the, the phrases we all come up to either elevate or or minimize somebody's experience based on their skin or based on well you you've had a bit of privilege or whatever it is every single person's black history is valid and that's mm -hmm. why your post stood out so much because you weren't saying our black history which you could mm -hmm. You're, we're all part of the community we absolutely could and in fact that's what black history month is but you were talking about what's personal to you. Yeah. And not only were you talking about what's personal to you, you invited people to come and share what was personal to them. And yeah. that was what stood out for me. That's what was so powerful. But everyone was like, well, my black history is, and well, my black history is, and oh, that's really triggered a thought in me, and my black history is. And you hear that theme echoing and echoing. And again, it doesn't just last for the month of October. Nobody stops going, my black history is on the 31st of October. Or no, the 30th, because Halloween, everyone crazy. But <laughs> nobody stops doing that. It, it It's a conversation that we trigger yeah. that then goes on through the generations. I, I think I loved my, the most profound, profound uh, post on that was actually from my white colleague, I, I just wanted to fly through the screen to wherever he lives. And I don't know where he lives. We've only met virtually um, and give him the biggest hug to say, I think you are so amazing, um, Christopher Barton. So he's a Caucasian man and he dared. And I love the fact that he did. He dared to say my black history. And it goes to what I was talking about. That Would he mind me sharing this, do you think? I don't think so. My black history. And then he talked about his his um, experiences of um, um, black people, um, that he's from a small town in England, a country village, and that he first encountered um, black people in the NHS. And then he was introduced to his love of music. And I thought, how beautiful was that? Because one, he dared to actually tread that kind of take that step because most people be like how how is this your black history you're a white man but actually because black history is a social construct what he did was kind of smash that down and say it's all our history it's just so i'm sharing how black people have influenced my life and this is the history that 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 has written in my life black history is a part of who i am and i loved it I'm going to read a little bit of what he said, and before this goes out, we'll ask him if he, if he minds, because um, I don't want to put him on blast, but he said, thank you, Shelley. As a white man growing up in, rural, in a rural English village in the 70s and 80s, black history just wasn't something we were taught. So I guess my black history really began when I began nursing in the NHS and worked with black nurses who traveled to the UK for our unwell. Their mm. stories were inspiring. Though I also came to realise the institutional racism they face in the organisations we worked, in the organisations in which we worked. I worked for many years in the secure mental health environments and over and the over-representation of black male patients in those settings is a source of shame. Last bit I'm going to share. In the absence of having been taught black history in my formative years, I've tried to found, find out more. And authors like Akala, Rene, Rene, I can't speak today, Rene, <laughs> 
Edo Lodge, Jeffrey Boyerke. See, I, let me just stop because I'm butchering people's names. And that's not because I can't say them. It's because I'm an old lady. I keep telling people I'm an old lady. And I don't actually have my glasses on. I can't find my reading ones. But basically, he's saying that they have helped to fill the gaps in his knowledge and understanding. Um, and then, like you say, he goes on to talk about the fact that music played a big part. Um, and, and to me, that stands out because he was open to it. Yes. <laughs> it's as simple as the fact that it wasn't something that was hidden. No. It speaks about the racism. Yeah. Um, it wasn't hidden. And if you if you just looked hard enough, it would be obvious to you. You know, and he wasn't saying, I love that he says, um, in those settings is a source of shame. Because he's not saying he's responsible for it, but he's saying he feels badly for the situation or about the situation. Um, and that he's not, again, going, I'm so sorry. And again, he's not taking that. He, it, you're absolutely right. I think the, the balance and the respect that he's put on your post, but also him sharing his own experience is really lovely. So, I love to bring I loved it. I just thought, how brave are you? When I saw his post, I, I was, my heart was pounding because I just thought, I hope no one says something because I thought Mama Bear is going to come out. I hope nobody is disrespectful because actually his post is profound. His post is real and his post is everything that I wanted my post to be, that we are sharing what black history means, what black history is to us. And it, and black history is not just confined to black people. We need that history to be, it's shared and lived by all. It's just that in the absence of it being shared by all and in all spaces, we're now having to re-educate or educate people about what is the truth and what isn't and what's is covered up. And so I thought it was just, yeah, it for me it was a melody. It was like I sung a melody in my in my writing and then he just layered it with a harmony that I didn't hear. And I just thought this is beautiful. And then everybody else's then became part of that song. Yeah. So you've got two young children. They're not young enough at this stage to have, to be able to verbalise what their black history is or what it is to them. But let's say 10, 15 years down the line, what would you hope that they would be able to celebrate during the 12 months of the year, but specifically during COVID? I think this is what partly why, one of the reasons why I wrote this post, being quite reflective as a person. Um, and and naturally things kind of fade away and we know that we've been um, we've had a number of bereavements over the past two years and as our our matriarchs have left um, who were just the the cornerstones of our homes our families um, you start being more reflective about what was the legacy that they 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 left. And then I thought, well, what is the legacy that I'm leaving for my children? I want my children to equally love fish and chips as much as um, uh, a West Indian meal, be it. We're vegetarian now, so I can't say curry, goat and rice, and I can't. Escovitch fish, I'm sure. <laughs> and salt fish. I'm not tried, tried um, that with them yet because they're just a little bit too small, and I don't want them to hate it because I've tried yeah. it on them too small. But both of them loves West Indian soup for anybody that doesn't know about West Indian soup it's it's not real it's it's a whole dinner in a pot with soup 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a banana. Green banana and planting, I'll add. Um, and then we'll have some sweet potato. And then we'll have some spinners or dumplings, depending on which country you're coming from. And then you, you may have some carrots and celery. You could have some meat. You could have some fish, depending on where you're coming from and what you want. But my children love soup. They'll eat soup every day. They love escovitch fish. They love fish. So I want them to be able to love their Britishness as much as they love their heritage. Um, and understanding their heritage, because my husband has Portuguese um, in his heritage. We found out through his DNA that he has um, uh, Congolese. There's so many different areas. So what I want my children to be reminded of is that they're black, they're British, their heritage is important. But what's more important is that they feel comfortable with who they are and they can they can move amongst whoever they feel to and and be um strong enough to do that because it is difficult i think when 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 they grow up i want them to they may not be able to note different particular people but i need to be that representation of what black history is in my home so it's about them being strong people about being resilient people, about being resourceful people, because black people have had to be. Um, you know, when when lockdown came and we were sitting in and looking at the, the supermarkets with nothing on the shelves, I laughed because I just thought, have we got a bag of rice? Cool, we're fine. Do we have some red lentils in there? Cool, we're fine. Flour was touch and go because everybody was like, we'll just make some dumplings and we'll be good to go. But even still, I think we are a resourceful people and I think it's more about um, teaching them about how we've survived as a people over the decades. That And that, that's what forms part of uh, being black, I think, the resilience because we had no other choice, but also just identifying that they are from Britain. They were born here. Their parents are from Britain. They were born here. Their grandparents were born in in the Caribbean and their ancestors would have been born in in Africa and and it's about what they want to choose to take forward is okay with them and then for, to feel comfortable to do that and not be pigeonholed by others as to what they can and can't have being a person that has a rich um, and beautiful heritage from many spaces and many places. So in, let, let's make a note in the diary in 10 years time when I'm doing this series, because I've decided I want to do it every year and um, creating black history. Um, we're going to look back and we're going to have a segment where we look back on each year and say, OK, so, you know, what's changed? And in 15 years, I want to invite your children on and be like, so, <laughs> you know, because that would be really interesting. Um, when we so so in kind of taking us towards the end. When we were growing up, the adults in our lives were the, the the matriarchs of the family. So our grandparents were finding ways to survive despite racism, despite the experiences that they were living with, yeah. despite coming here, as your colleague said, to 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 help and serve and save. Uh, our parents' generation were what they were walking the line they were balancing they were balancing bringing us up having a great experience but also they were still 
balancing living the life where they weren't quite welcomed, expected, whatever. Our generation now, and I know there are generations in between, but our generation yeah. now, we probably have the most power to design who we are going to be in spaces um, because we understand that we can make a choice. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean there aren't barriers. It doesn't mean there aren't people out there trying to stop us. It doesn't mean that we're not traumatised every single time we open our mouths and do whatever. But the fact that we have platforms like this, that we can go, okay, let's just have this conversation. And we don't have to be worried about the fact that somebody might come and bomb our house, a house later mm. or whatever. And we're in a really unique position. And I think it's really, really powerful. So hopefully the generations that come after us, our children, our children's children, they will feel even more free to be who they are, love who they are, mm. and to um, to celebrate the amalgamation of everything that they are, whether it's just their history entirely or whether it's their black history. Yeah. I think that the one thing I think I want them to see that for me, it's more important for my children to see the behaviours that I model and that I model kindness and that I model love and that I model excellence. And uh, the one thing that I'm talking with my son at the moment is he's so used to going a particular way in a particular way. So when we divert, so when we're going to take him to holiday club, for instance, you're going the wrong way and a massive argument will ensue. So I've now come to the realisation that I have to teach him there's many ways to get to a destination. And that's the one thing. So at the beginning of the week, it was arguments. At the end of the week, he was like, Grandma, did you know there's different ways to get to a destination? And I thought, you know, that's that's embodies what we have had to do as a people, that we are presented with barriers, we are presented with challenges, but yet there are many ways to get to a destination. Um, and our internal sat-navs are always saying rerouting, rerouting, but the beauty of and the pain of the struggle that we've had to deal with, that we deal with every day, means that we have inbuilt resilience so that we continue to go. And if nothing else, that is what my I want my children to know, that that history is always made when we reroute and continue to put our foot one foot in front of the other because there's many ways to one destination and that's just so that we see that throughout all of history when we look at the diaspora there's many ways to one destination and that if we just persevere we will always get there we see that in in we see that more so from the American stories because they're the ones that are shared more openly. But if we look, if we just scratch the surface of, of British history, it's so rich and there are so many that persevered and that did so much before we, we were here. Um, and I think that's what we need to do, delve deeper into what that looks like and who those people are so that it just reinforces when we're trying to navigate a space that is alien to um, the US that is more akin to what we know in British culture that we can see there are people that have gone before. I want my children to see me and say, mummy never gave up. There's always a different route to destination. I love that. And I, I don't think I could summarise that any better than you have. So in kind of not summary of your point because again your point is absolutely perfect but what would you challenge people as the last um episode of this series 
what would you want to leave people with? What is that resounding statement, question, thought that you want to leave people with? Resounding. You're waiting for something profound and it won't come. See, I think profound is a matter of um, timing and perspective. I think what could be profound today might not be profound tomorrow, depending on what I'm experiencing. So don't even worry about that. So I just think, I always go back to kindness. Um, and kindness doesn't look one way either. Um, FYI, to whoever thinks, oh my goodness, she's just a fluffy, warm and cuddly person. Kindness doesn't have one face. Um, and I think if we we are compassionate with people, um, if we're genuinely interested in people, then we would be genuinely interested in their lived experience. And, and recognising that it will be different. I will talk to being a twin, I guess, that allows me to see that played out live every single day, that we can walk down the street together um, and we will have different lived experiences, that we have grown up together and we have different lived experiences. um, And yet we have the same parents, we've had the same background, and yet we've had to deal with things differently, um, either because of the choices we've made um, individually or because of the way that people have treated us differently. Um, And so I think if we are compassionate to understand, if we are eager to understand, and that doesn't take much, it's just the listening ear, I think that we would be more open to people's lived experiences. And and it's a buzzword right now, I feel, lived experience. But whilst everybody's jumping on that bandwagon, let's run with it. Um, I think that um, my black history is always changing, always evolving, and therefore it's never a, it's never a mute conversation. The same with my um, my English friends that will have a different narrative, and it will continue to be. And so, if we are if we are interested in people, if we're interested in change, if we're interested in um, doing something and being something different, then we need to to understand and we need to listen more. We need to be more compassionate and we need to understand people's lived experiences. Thank you so much. I loved having this conversation with you. Where can the people find you? Oh, goodness. Where can they find me? You can't find me anywhere. The yeah. only place you can find me is on LinkedIn. Um <laughs> Most people who have come on this for the series, it's been, yep, find me on LinkedIn if you want. Find yeah. me on LinkedIn. Um, and so my LinkedIn space is a professional space. And, and a lot of the, the things that I um, talk about is about modelling behaviours. Um, and it's not because I'm trying to be condescending. One, it's a reminder to myself and uh, me being accountable to myself by putting it into a, a space, a public space that makes me accountable to me. But also it's 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 a reflective um, process where I recognise that if I've been in a situation, these are the behaviours that were modelled and actually either I want to align myself to those or not. So, yeah, LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn. Excellent. Thank you so, so much. It's been wonderful. And um, we'll speak this time in a few years. <laughs> me, Sherry. Bye-bye. Take care. Butterfly, butterfly, pretty butterfly. When I see you flap your wing, I know when it's time for spring. Butterfly, butterfly, pretty butterfly.